like those wire things you yeah. can get. Wait, come again? In Chemex, you just keep it warm in the, uh, put on a stove top. Really? Yeah. So even the, even fire, you just put it on fire. Yeah. So you brew and then you just want to keep it warm for a while. How long can you keep coffee warm though before it just, eh, that's our next test. Next time on the Parasite Podcast, we will be testing how long can coffee keep warm until it's meh? Well, it's it's kind of like those ember mugs, you know, those expensive mugs yes. that have the battery in the yep. bottom. Yep. The battery in the 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 coil. Yeah. yeah. And uh, they're pretty cool. But you'll see these reviews. People are like, I try to keep my coffee warm for, you know, two or three hours and the battery. It's like, why are you trying to keep your coffee, coffee hot warm. for three hours? Yeah. Like, <laughs> you're supposed to brew it and drink it. Like doing with this thing uh, all right back what are we talking about today so we're talking about our favorite brew methods what's your go-to yeah. brew method why do you like doing it what have you tried you probably tried more brew methods than either of us yeah you have a problem yeah. i do have a problem this is actually an intervention <laughs> <laughs> this whole podcast what is, i get asked to do christian we love you but you yeah. brew too many ways we're bringing it up as a podcast topic yeah. really it's an intervention <laughs> well yeah no you have tried a lot and mm -hmm. you probably dialed into different ways you like to brew yeah, yeah. and you're pretty much an aeropress guy yeah i mean i end up doing a little bit of everything because yeah. most of the time when i'm over here we're brewing for at least two or three people so right. we'll do v60 most, most mornings occasionally a chemex when we have a big group of people but if i'm just at home brewing in the morning then i'll definitely do the aeropress yeah and that's what i've done pretty much since i started paying any attention to coffee or or like basically since i started drinking coffee at home so was that the first brewer that you purchased yes okay yep because i didn't i didn't drink any coffee all the way through high school college and then wait you went all through college without coffee yeah yeah i worked at ups as a yard controller i never drank coffee or anything okay yeah and Hardcore. then and then yeah, when, seriously yeah when we moved to virginia coffee became a social thing yeah like oh let's go out because i was meeting all these new people that were not high school friends yeah honestly i didn't have that much of a life in arizona like i just worked and went to school and that was about it and like hung out with a few friends that I had known for a long time. Yeah, but you weren't like casually, let's go get coffee. No, yeah, that just wasn't part of what we did socially. Then I moved here, well, to Charlottesville specifically, and there's also much more of the eat local, drink local type of thing. Yeah. Which I never really heard of that in Arizona. That was not a point of emphasis. Yeah. It wasn't something that we didn't do, but it also wasn't something that we tried intentionally to do like right go to a local place mm -hmm. i mean phoenix is a ma massive metropolitan area there's like there's so many big corporate things for everything right it's like yeah it's just massive you have big box stores for basically everything no problem whereas in charlottesville it's definitely more a part of the specific culture of that city to have little i won't say mom and pops quite but kind of like that for yeah. pretty much everything 
and especially for food and beverage because that's yeah. a, a big area where mom and pops tend to have a big representation is in food and beverage so anyways then i started doing that just that was the first time i drank coffee period and then let's see then i moved back to arizona for a year lived with you we started going to um um, cartel cartel which is right down the street and i started out drinking cold brew there then we started getting in chemex because that was kind of a social thing that you and i would do is we would go and order a chemex together because it's a perfect thing to they brew a chemex for you and they give you two they, they give you two glasses and it's just kind of a you know you're sitting and sharing coffee it's cool yeah. it's kind of like having tea yeah because most of the time coffee is a little bit more separate like you get your thing i get my thing Right. Mm -hmm. Whereas when you're brewing tea, it seems, I'm not a big tea drinker, but it seems as if it's a, a little bit more of a communal thing. Mm -hmm. We're all drinking yeah. out of one pot, mm -hmm. right? So Chemex is a little bit more of the coffee equivalent for that, which is fun. Actually, there aren't too many places that I've seen that do that, where you have a Chemex and, and you share it. Yeah, more yeah. than one mug. Well, we've, I think in one of the places that we went to. Alchemy. Yeah, he was going to pour it for us. And we're like, no. Like, it's kind of fun. Yeah, it is. Lamplighter would do, do that. Yourself. Yeah, they did a Chemex for the, it would be the price of two coffees pretty much. But okay. like they'd always be like, yeah, you order a Chemex. That's one of their options. Um, it'll be a two serving. Mm. So they'd give you the mugs and you just take the Chemex to your table. Yeah, nice. it's, it's kind of nice. cool. I like it. It feels like a moment. Right. You're like it. It feels like ceremony, kind of. Yeah. It's a thing. Yeah. So we did that, and then so I pretty much I don't believe i ever made coffee at home really mm. when i lived in the tempe house no i mean we, we could walk short drive yeah to cartel there was yeah that was the thing dude back in that day i was a fiend i would work all day didn't really like my job that much but i would look forward to either reading or writing at cartel after work yeah because they're also open really late. They're open really late, which yeah. is, at least here, pretty rare. And I think, honestly, even in Phoenix, it was a little bit rare to have yeah. a coffee shop that would be open past 8 yeah. or 9, maybe. But they were open at least until 10. Right. What so time would, would you have a cold brew? Late. <laughs> Too late. I would That's be off at crazy. 6 or 7. Because I think I would, yeah, I started to work around 10 or 11. And then that was, that was what I looked forward to. That was the main event of the day was going because cartel is a very interesting place. It's yeah. like very good for people watching. You get, we were just talking about this the other day, but there's a very interesting cross section of society there. You have students, young working professionals, you know, clean cut people, super hipster people. It's yeah. a very interesting collection. And so it's a fun place to be and people watch. Mm-hmm. They have all of the, I don't know if you guys would ever do this where, where you worked, but at least later in the day, they would let the barista choose the music. So you got some funky stuff for sure. Yeah, I do remember that. So, like sometimes it'd be obnoxious, but sometimes... It'd be like Aborigine, like what's going on? <laughs> yeah. Or there's one guy would always play the same BBC DJ set, uh, you know? So you're like, oh, this guy's on bar. Like you already know because you, yeah. you know what soundtrack is playing. I have the tiger on loop. Yeah, right. <laughs> Bro, that's gonna be pretty cool. You get to work the bar at your own vibe. Play your own little yeah set list. I think that'd be that is cool. I've it, never thought of anyone doing. It is, that. but you're playing your music for a lot of people. 
Yeah. So hopefully they like it. Yeah, there was like, I mean, <laughs> what, capacity of 100 people in the cartel. Yeah. Uh, it was a big cafe. Yeah, it was a pretty big, ca- pretty yeah. big cafe. Yeah, so to your point, would go there pretty much every day. I wonder how much money I spent in a year at cartel. I mean, their cold brews were what, five bucks, four fifty. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Sometimes the, it's cool going to a place that, that often because sometimes they just give you free stuff or discounted, just because they're like. You're a regular at that point. Yeah, you're a regular. Yeah. More than made up for it for the amount of money that. Yeah. You put into that place. So. Did that for a year. Never made coffee at home, and then when I moved back to Virginia again then I don't remember the exact thought process, but I wasn't going to go out as much. Like a lot of the people that I had been friends with and gone out with before were no longer in Charlottesville. So I was a little bit more at home mm-hmm. and just had my morning routine at home. So long story short, ended up with the AeroPress. It's funny. The first time I remember getting the AeroPress and making coffee with it, I'm reading the directions and you know me, I like to get things right. You know, I'm not as much like, oh, let's just see what happens. You know, experiment. Like I want to do it the right way. Yeah. And you feel like you're on the clock. So I'm like, okay, two scoops, grind it. Okay. Two scoops means that you pour up to the two. Okay. Now what do I do? Stir it 10 times. You know, they tell you how, I don't know if this is still in the AeroPress manual, but they would, I'm pretty sure they would tell you to stir 10 times mm-hmm. like very specifically. And you wait a certain amount of time, <laughs> you know, it's like very, it's stressful and like yeah. technical. Now it's like, you know, you yeah. do it in, in my sleep and you start to experiment with all these different ways of doing it. But, uh, yeah, AeroPress is always the way that that's the only, yeah. Until recently when I got the V60, that was the only way that I'd ever brewed or drank coffee at home. So how long was that until you got the V60? Like five or six years. Wow. Okay. Yeah, a long time. So that was that was the brew method. That was the brew method. Yeah. Wow. My dad has been a coffee drinker for longer, but for some reason I just never really got on that bandwagon. You have drip coffee. What was his? Because prior to your bringing AeroPress in the house, what was the how? How do you make coffee? He had a coffee maker. Okay. He had a Cuisinart, Cuisinart, however you say yeah. it, coffee maker. Pretty nice. Mm-hmm. It would grind the coffee. I never, I don't know why it just never really occurred to me to take, to drink it, drink the coffee that he made. Mm-hmm. Um, so I kind of came to it separately yeah. from him. My mom was not a coffee drinker and none of my siblings drank it. Then when I was in Arizona, I, th- I believe I had a conversation with my sister and I was like, oh, this new thing, AeroPress. I don't know how really new it was. It's been out for a little while now. Yeah. New to me. Right. And. So I'm pretty sure she ended up buying our first AeroPress. Okay. Don't quote me on that, but I think she actually beat me to it. But then it became the house AeroPress. And so then we started using it and yeah, so I've never really, I've never really messed around with a lot of the other, um, brew methods. Yeah. The nice thing about the AeroPress is that it's very forgiving grind size wise. And I actually didn't have a grinder until a few years ago. So you I had a hand grinder or hand grinder. No. Well, for the first period of time, I would grind it. Mm-hmm. I would grind the whole bag. Oh, okay. Like one of those commercial grinders. One of those commercial grind grinders. It all. Yeah. Exactly. And then eventually I got a hand grinder because I started thinking about it. I'm like, oh, well, the big expense of a grinder is actually in the um, motor. So I can get a pretty good grind, consistent grind out of a hand grinder. 
And I'm not necessarily a super impatient person. I don't mind taking time to do stuff, especially coffee. Yeah. It's fine. It's just part of my morning routine. So for me, the hand grinder wasn't that much of a an inconvenience. It's just two minutes. Right. Um, so I did that for, for a period of time. And then eventually we ended up getting the the Brazza Encore and never looked back. I mean, it is super convenient just to be able to flip a switch and boom, yeah. it's done within 20 seconds. Right. So, especially as your, you know, coffee offerings have increased with how many people come to your house. That too. Making four or five, six cups. Yes. And yeah. that was another area when we'd have people over for dinner or just guests whenever throughout the day, it would definitely get out of control very quickly when you're, you're trying to like hand grind. <laughs> yes. You're like, okay. Yeah. I'll yeah. have your coffee ready in 45 minutes after <laughs> I make, you know, yeah. five other people coffee. You just had some giant forearm. <laughs> yeah, exactly. My right shoulder is just ripped. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. So the evolution of what we drank was very interesting. I mean, I remember being really into dark roast at the beginning Yeah. and just thinking, why would anybody want I always equated light roast coffee kind of with IPA for beer. Oh, like why do people want all this fruity, this, that, and the other in their coffee? It doesn't make any sense. Can taste that with the IPAs. Yeah, oh. that's what I'm saying is that the the cleanse my palate just it, thinking. <laughs> yeah, the comparison is not direct, but that's what I thought at the time. Yeah, like why? Why would you? Why would you do that? I Ooh. liked. I like chocolate. Yeah. I like caramel because that's always how dark roast is kind of presented is yeah. with those flavors. And so we did dark roast and then it got to a point where I think we tried a, a coffee that was, oh, and just all about value, you know, like in terms of it being affordable. Yeah. And then, oh, and we always thought, oh, like oil beans are good, right? You gotta see that shine. Yeah, I gotta see the shine. But then yeah. I started to think a little bit more about it. I'm like, I'm not really sure if that makes sense. So I looked into that a little bit more. Then I tried a coffee that was still dark, but it was probably more on the dark side of medium. And I noticed a difference. I was like, oh, this is actually pretty good. But it, for, for where I was at then, it was a little bit expensive. Yeah. So it was a, it was an occasional dalliance, you know, not, not a daily drinker type of thing. Yeah. And um, so did that. And I don't know. So what I'm saying is like I started dark roast. Yeah there with everybody else and just kind of came to a place where i enjoyed lighter and lighter roast you had your awakening progressively yeah, i did okay were you drinking dark roast black i would i've always wow. been a dark okay no no i correct myself at the very beginning i did take a little bit of cream mm-hmm. um nathaniel my brother he used to dump a ton of cream in there and i would like give him a hard time for it and because then sometimes he would leave it for a long period of time and the top layer would congeal into like this, you know, you know, cream. It's like mm-hmm. got all that milk fat in it. Yeah. And you let it to cool and it'll just kind of harden back up. Wow. Oh. And I would give him a hard time. Like, why are you, you know, you're wasting the coffee. You're wasting your cream. Like, if you don't want the cream or you don't want the coffee, like, yeah. da, da, da. And he's like, oh, drink it. I'll drink it. He would reheat it and drink it. Oh, he would actually it, do it, stir it up. However, he did it, man. He would <laughs> eat it and drink it. Um, but we both eventually, he would just add less and less cream, and yeah. then I started below him, just because that's my taste preference. Yeah, is I always like to taste things as they're meant to be, right? If possible. Yeah, I just want to see what something has to offer. 
So I would take less cream, but it's still a little bit of cream. And then over the course of time, I just ended up drinking it black. And I'm sure that somewhat corresponded with drinking slightly lighter roasted coffee. Right. Which makes sense. It because does. you're like, oh, there's something to taste here. Yes. I don't want to yeah. hide it with cream. Right. And also cream, I think, complements darker coffee. Absolutely. So mm-hmm. it's a little bit more of a match. Right. You know. Yeah. Um, yeah. Now here we are. So from nothing through all college to yep. getting Chemexes at a coffee shop, yep. doing that stuff with, with an AeroPress. And yep. now you've been AeroPress like how long? Eight years now? Uh, Yeah, since like 2014 or 15. Yeah, okay. Yeah, so six years. That's your main six or seven years. Like if, you're, if you had three brewers in front of you and you're making a cup just for yourself. Sometimes can... even when I'm here, I'll use the, yeah. the company Aero, AeroPress, AeroPress to do it just yeah. because I, yeah, I don't know, it's just super good especially since I started doing the inverted method, I still feel like I can get, for, um, when I first started using AeroPress, I would always do the concentrated method. So you use a little bit more coffee, like you'd use maybe 25 to 30 grams of coffee mm-hmm. to like, let's see, 30, 60. So like 120 grams of water and then you get a concentrate and then out of that you dilute it with hot water. Mm-hmm. So that's what I did for a number of years until fairly recently, like maybe within the last year and a half, I started doing the inverted, which is when you flip it over and you put more like 15 grams of coffee in. Yeah. And then you fully dilute it to the amount that you'll drink it at. So I do like 215 grams of water. So then when I press it, it's already diluted. But I find that the concentrate method, which I started doing, is very reliably mellow and pleasant you know it's normally not unpleasant to drink which when you're doing dark roast you want right you're trying to like get as little of the bitterness out of coffee as possible yeah so it was really good for that when you're used to drinking bitter black coffee yeah when you find a method where you get a lot less of that bitterness that's what you trend towards and if you're adding like milk or cream to it it's nice uh but now since we started roasting our own coffee, especially, I wanted a way to where I could use the AeroPress, but I find that with the concentrate method, you only get maybe 80% of the flavor. So it's mellow and pleasant, but it's not, it doesn't have quite as much of the complexity of the coffee. It's a little muted. Yeah, it's just a little bit muted and simplified, I guess you could say. It's a more simplified flavor. Mm. So when we're drinking our coffee, I actually want to be in tune with what we're roasting. Yeah. Right? I want to taste all that there is to offer. And so I find that with the um, the full immersion method, um, you get pretty much everything that you get out of a pour-over, a straight-up pour-over. Pretty much all the flavor is there. It's nice. just easier for brewing one cup of coffee. Yeah, I remember it was last week or the week before you made me a cup of coffee, the Bali uh, AeroPress. And I remember taking a sip because we used to pretty much know what Bali tastes like. Right. And then like did a double sip like, oh, why is just a little bit a little bit smoother? Yeah. yeah it was AeroPress. Yeah. yeah. It was nice. But it had a good amount of the flavor in it, right? Yeah, absolutely. You don't feel like, I, I never feel like I'm missing out on anything. Right. Um, yeah, it's, it's so reliable. Yeah. It's so easy to, like there's no, we need to do an updated brew guide for the AeroPress because yeah. I've even simplified it since we originally record. I think I would, that was mine Yeah, that, was that I recorded. Yes. Yeah. Like you don't have to bloom AeroPress because you're already doing full immersion. The reason you have to bloom V60 or Chemex is because the water drains through. 
-hmm. So you're trying to prepare it, right? When you're doing full immersion, you are literally stirring it with a stick right. and then you're leaving it and the water is not draining out. It's sitting there with the coffee for the water and the coffee you're melting for two minutes. Yeah. So you don't need to bloom. Oh, you just dump it in. Yeah. You literally just dump it in. There's no special fancy pouring. You just pull it, pour the full amount in, let it sit for the full amount of time, flip it over, press it. And you mean, done. you know, osmotic flow, just little tiny circles <laughs> no. in the air press. None of that, just man. Dump it in. Yeah. It tastes no. so good, but it's so simple. Yeah, that is nice. It is definitely less of an art. There is something fun I find about doing V60, Chemex, any of these pour over methods is that it is fun to do right. a little bit more of that art form aspect of it. It is part of the art. I kind of equate it even to like shaving, for example. There are there are ways to quickly shave. Yeah. If you, like, I just need to get in, get out, shave, right. uh, as opposed to there's some of an art form to have a prepared process. Yeah. So, yeah. And you can kind of feel like cool because you have this glass or the ceramic brewer that look a certain way. Yeah. Interior, and then you have the AeroPress, which is super dope. But yeah. It's like a plastic syringe looking thing. Yeah. So you can't feel quite as, you know, crate and barrel. Speaking of cool brewers, Christian, uh, <laughs> did you make it through college without drinking coffee? I'm still stuck on that. <laughs> uh, almost all of college. Really? I was the only one that had to be wired the entire yeah. time. Wow. I, yeah, I would have it occasionally. I, the thing, okay. Every time I tried to make coffee at home, it tastes like trash. Mm. So it's like only place I can get reliable coffee, go somewhere. Okay. So when you were trying to make it at home, how would you make it at very early days? Someone handed me a French press, but I didn't know anything about grind size well, I just threw boiling water in there and did something. <laughs> and, but yeah. And this was like pre-ground or how would you? Pre-ground. Okay. Yeah. Pre-ground. Yeah. Um, so what then, was your go-to spot? Because you went to VCU. Uh, my go-to spot at VCU was either Alchemy okay. on Broad Street or Lamplighter, which used to be downtown uh, by campus. I started out drinking there. I was attracted because they had good latte art their baristas and then they had a thai iced coffee that was pretty nice and sweet in the summer sounds interesting thai iced coffee yeah. yeah i thought it was really good i don't know if i could drink it now it's way too sweet yeah <laughs> but um yeah that's also where i found the first time people using chemex i'd see a chemex i'm like what is that and then the two cups and people are sharing it at their mm. table so it's really cool yeah so, so what did you decide i'm going to perfect my craft at home you went from french press uh, going then, to college and then gave up on french press okay then i would have coffee occasionally because i couldn't afford to go to like a cafe like multiple times so there'd be one day in a week where i yeah wasn't too busy and i'd go to a cafe and do my work and then yeah it wasn't until after i graduated actually um where i started perfecting coffee nice I was shown the ways. <laughs> yeah. People, yeah. They just made it simple. Like, shout out to David, you know, from Seattle. Yeah. Now in Arizona. But anyways. Uh, it is fitting that he's from Seattle. Yeah. Teaching you the coffee ways. <laughs> he, uh, he's like, bro, it's ratios. And then nice. he just brought out the scale and was like, you can get these scales cheap. Um, or if you just find a consistent way with tablespoon measurements. Yeah. So, Yeah. So then that's when I got into um, French press again and started making decent French press. But all my French presses kept breaking. Mm. So I was like, I'm going to get something that's indestructible. I'm getting a mocha pot. 
There you go. So yeah, that's true. <laughs> it's like there's one way to describe Monkey Pot is more or less indestructible. <laughs> yeah, it is cast metal. Yeah, yeah. Generations. So I was I was Mocha Pot for about two years straight. Wow. Um, every morning. Now how black or you black? Okay. Not diluted. Wow. Just grow hair Just, on my chest. Yeah, seriously, that is <laughs> a scalding guys. hot shot of Mocha Pot. Yeah. Nothing like a good heart palpitation in the morning. Get That's you how going. his voice started to get deeper. To the <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> One time I, uh, anyways, I had a really, those two years I had a really busy morning routine. And so actually we found out we would just pre-grind the night before on our hand grinders and then seal it. Mm-hmm. But I forgot to put water in it. So I just flipped the, what we would do is we'd preset it on the stove top. And then after I come back from a run cooling down, I would just flip the burner on and it would do its thing yeah. in a timely way but i forgot to put water in it the night before oh no and one of my housemates was like uh bro this is like it's getting really stinky down here and it was the rubber gasket melting oh um, no. and then like oh it was crazy so i had to throw that one out yeah but then i bought another one <laughs> and then yeah mocha pot and then in the afternoon my friend david was showing me like aeropress mm-hmm. so I, I also was doing inverted aeropress in the afternoons occasionally but sometimes a double mocha pot in one day is pretty crazy that is i would do it but it's pretty crazy yeah it's a lot i can barely handle mocha pot in the morning you said even <laughs> you'll take shots of espresso down decently but you, i remember you telling me you take a mocha pot and you feel the head rush i know i actually feel it in my heart your heart wow okay. i literally feel dangerous boom, 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 boom. yeah <laughs> like when when you first sit yeah not to sound overly dramatic, yeah. but I, I just feel it. I don't know if it, I don't know what it is. Is yeah. it the overall amount of caffeine or I don't know what it is about the way that mocha pot brews, but I drink coffee every morning and I drink strong coffee. It's not like I'm drinking watered down crap. And, and we've, with our special machine, we've just literally thrown back shots. No problem. Coffee and it's, you know. Yeah. I don't know what it is about mocha pot. Mm. Sometimes I would come over in the morning and you would make me one. I'm just like, man, that is intense. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It's unlike it's really unlike anything else mm-hmm. out of all the the ways of brewing. Yeah, it's yeah, pretty pretty unique. Has it? Yeah, it has an even different vibe from espresso. It does. Oh, it's for its sure. own unique. The taste is its own thing. Yeah, yeah. The preparation goes into it. Right. Mm-hmm. It's interesting. Yeah, and it can be done very incorrectly. Yes, yeah, very incorrectly. Yeah. You gotta you gotta think mocha pot is one of the gnarliest methods to make coffee if you don't know what you're doing bro that thing could explode dangerous. yeah yeah well, and dangerous pressure, too yeah. pressurized but just in terms of like burnt tasting coffee yeah 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 that's what ends up happening it, it's there's like a there's a certain time where the coffee is done it needs to come out of the spout at a certain rate and then like as soon as it's done coming out as soon as you even right before it starts making that gurgling sound mm-hmm. you need a that means you're just pushing hot air onto already infused coffee beans, getting that burnt flavor and taste, yeah. smoky taste into it. So as you just watch that thing. As soon as water, coffee stops coming out, pour it straight in the mug. Right. Yeah. It's a pretty, you have to watch it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. My mocha pot game increased when you were, you, either one of you told me to put hot water in the bottom first. Oh, yeah. 
That that's deal? that's another thing. That's yeah, a common well. misperception, actually, that gets thrown around is that you want to put cold water right. in. I don't know yeah, what the false. logic is there. But I would just put false. either cold or, false, temp or room temperature. Yeah, and then you told me put the hot water, and that changed my whole muggle pox experience as well. Because I was never much of a fan of it. I'm like, okay. But it was my grandpa. Yep. You know, just he would either go get coffee or if he had to make coffee at home, prefer method would be mocha pot. Yeah. Um, and I just remember always having this gritty smoky burnt taste to it i so, mean it's like taking your coffee grounds and like i know there's a chamber of water underneath but it's like leaving your coffee grounds dry in that gasket over a fire yeah without water for a while because it's taking so long to build pressure right so like the faster you can do that the less your fresh beans are getting cooked over a flame or yeah the heat think of that way it's true yeah you want it to happen as soon as possible your I wonder if that's how your grandpa, you know, being a Puerto Rican from New York, I wonder that if that's how he drank mocha pot when he was younger. Absolutely. In the house, right? Yep. Yeah, my grandma even mentioned that she and her dad had a mocha pot and it's just on the stove. They already had a mocha pot on the stove. Dude. Yeah. Uh back to David. Grandfather of Parisia Coffee. Yeah. <laughs> <Wow>. <laughs> Taught me how to roast. But anyways, David went to Puerto Rico. Yeah. And was there and then some families he was staying with they were like they they gifted him a mocha pot yes and then they're like here you go brother this is yours yeah because he just drank coffee with them all the time because yeah. <laughs> so. the whole cafe con leche you need that strong dark coffee and mocha pot yields that even if you do a light roast coffee and put a mocha pot it's going to come out like emboldened yeah just based on the process yeah so cutting through cream and sugar yeah so that's his i pretty much started coffee so that was my first taste of coffee was mocha pot and then his crazy 40 ounce thermos that he would have so was your at what point did your grandpa become a starbucks guy i want to say it had to have been early 2000s maybe late 90s oh early 2000s so it's kind of when starbucks is on the come up yeah kind of like their second wave so to speak you know they're always they had their movie kind of in the 80s early 90s and then they just had this like boom you know resurgence in brandy and they redid the the cyrus or siren whatever it is uh yeah so that's when he got in okay and he was yeah like three times a day sometimes and he would get a you know a triple shot so that could be nine shots in one day whoa He'll get it like eight o'clock at night, trouble shot, and sleep like nothing. I don't know how you do that. Yeah, it's a special skill. Yeah, <laughs> it really is. So, yeah, it was intense, and that's actually how I got my job at Starbucks is because he would frequent a Starbucks so much, and I did like a three-week stint at American Eagle when I was in high school, and I was telling him like I hate this job. He's like, "Where is Starbucks?" And like the next day when he went in, he's like, "My grandson wants a job." <laughs> <laughs> they all knew him, you know? Right. And they're like, yeah, it was there for an interview. So that's how I got in Starbucks. Do you remember which store that was? Yeah, it was over on Bell and Bell Road in Arizona. Okay. And like 99th Avenue, right on the other side of the 101. So you went right over there? Yeah. And that's where you started? That's where I started. Wow. Yep. Just because, yeah, he was just a, he was literally on their wall. They had like a picture of their family tree of customers and, yeah, there's him with his cup. <laughs> they had a family tree of customers. Yeah. Yeah. So they, they kind of made like their their regulars and they made a family tree of like all their regulars. That's a great idea. Yeah. Like so there's like one of, I don't know, there's like 40 pictures up there and he was one of them. That's yeah. pretty awesome. Yeah. It was kind of cool. I haven't seen too many Starbucks that do that. Yeah. 
It was nice. So, and then they loved him. So it was kind of an easy, you know, nepotism, maybe. I don't know. <laughs> nepotism. <laughs> Just vicariously through him as a customer. <laughs> Listen, families are helpful. Like if you yeah. have an employee and you really like them, mm-hmm. And they vibe well with the company. A lot of times, you just keep mining the gold shaft. Yeah, yeah. You know? That's what I find. Yeah. Sometimes, is mm-hmm. if you find somebody that you like, chances are that people that they get along with or family members will also be along that same vein. Right. So, were you drinking coffee at home previous to that? No, uh, I would keep like if you would go to Starbucks, I would get like a frappuccino, right? I would or just something very sweet like a white mocha. But no, I wouldn't drink coffee at home at all in high school. And then it wasn't until I got into college with uh, a couple of people that I live with. They would have coffee and that became a thing. And that just became, at least for my experience of college, the stereotypical go study at a cafe. The gold bar in, in Tempe was one of them. So, you know, you had to be, you had to patronize, you know, uh, just by sitting there, you had to buy something. So that's how I got into coffee just going yeah. to different study places there's also uh it wasn't extreme being there's extreme being tempe that was also open it was uh it's like midnight i think yeah super late gold bars open kind of late and there's one that closed down off university and mill avenue that was like a 2 a.m like coffee spot Whoa. and it was just it was like right next to some of the dorms you could walk to so it just became a hangout spot slash after mill avenue sober up i guess i don't know the business model failed because they shut down which i don't know how there's a million students right um so that became kind of the introduction of my just regular currents to cafes i love coffee shops that are open late yeah it's great makes me sad when they close at 8 p.m yeah based on some of the coffee shops that i've been to i'm like man that's just when the party is starting yeah that's true just people going and well extreme b i mean literally they have like a piano player just come in at like 10 o'clock at night and just jam Love that. <laughs> yeah. Love it. Yeah. That's great. So it's kind of cool. It's wow. kind of cool. I didn't start brewing at home until when did I really start brewing at home? It must have been when not that long ago, really, not six years ago, maybe five years ago. Yeah. Oh, really? Yeah. Because it was just, I would just go out, go to coffee shops. Even when I, you know, graduated and then got into, you know, the mortgage industry, I would just have appointments at coffee shops. So there's no need to make coffee at home. Right. No. Okay. Constantly. And then I met my wife at a coffee shop. So it's just always at, just out of coffee shops. So you're either working at a coffee shop, yes. studying out of a coffee shop, or working out of a coffee, sh- coffee exactly. shop. So yeah. it just never got to the point where you, it made sense for you to brew at home. No. No. And the and the few times that I tried other people's brew, because I had a, I also, when I worked at Starbucks, you'd get a discount on all their like merchandise. Um, so they had like a discontinued, French press that was already 20% off. Then I got my discount on top of it. So it was like, it was an insulated one. It was really nice um, for like 10 bucks. I'm like, all right. So I I bought a French press. And then you also get a free pound of coffee by working at the company. So I'd always have coffee. And I just, same thing. My experience with French press, it was was never good. It was just the the dark coffee with the improper French press method. (laughs) It always tasted like, yeah. Not it's, good. it's gnarly, dude, because it's also gritty. Right. It can be gritty. It can be gritty. So I, I remember thinking like, oh, you don't, you don't, you know, when you pour out your cup, like you don't pour all of it out because that's just, that's just the grit, you know, that's how it's supposed to be. Right. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so my experience at home brewing wasn't anything right home about 
And I like the social aspect of being at coffee shops. Even when I wouldn't socialize myself, just being around other people. I'd be in my zone working or focusing on something. Yep. But you just felt kind of a, a little community. And I remember, you know, even befriending people that were also working out of coffee shops. There's a real estate agent, this random architect that would work out of that mm. same Starbucks. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there's new coffee shops starting to pop up throughout the valley in Phoenix. Mm. Just go. I always like going to coffee shops. It's one of the first things that we did kind of as a group, like just go to coffee shops. I still want to do that, like as a coffee passport. Just yeah. kind of just go to all the shops in, you know, 150 mile radius. Yeah. Just a fun kind of day trip ex- excuse to get out and explore and see what other people are doing. Yeah, so. that's pretty fun. Well, yeah. it's, it's a fun excuse to... Coffee is just start, the starting point for everything else. Yeah. So sure, you go for the coffee and you're hoping that the coffee is good, but then you see where people are located, what direction they've gone uh, with for actually creating the cafe. Somebody's opening the door and she couldn't get out. She's like, what are, how do I get moved? <laughs> how do we get out of here? Yeah. Um, yeah, just everything about the coffee shop. It's all a form of expression yeah. of like why it's interesting right you know so yeah the coffee is just a starting point but it's fun to see all the different directions that you can, you can go in everything from a hole in the wall to place to some of these cafes man they're huge yeah and they've really gone all the way with uh picking a spot out and going with a creative direction for the interior and right yeah yeah all of that tough homie yeah. Yeah. You're good. You're live, baby. <laughs> you're live. You're on the air. Come on. Hey, man. what's up? Shout out. This is Nathaniel, Michael's brother. Yeah. That's right. Too bad we don't have another mic. Yeah. We have a cameo. <laughs> but um, yeah, the coffee passport. I love that idea. Yeah. It's just fun to see what people are doing, how they do it. Yeah. For sure. We found some pretty cool shops. A ton of mediocre shops. There are some really good shops as well. And it's going to help us even if our inevitable cafe to kind of see what kind of vibe we like. Uh, yeah. Customer experience. You get to see that a lot. We talked about that, having that conversation with right. everything could be on point, but just somebody who's just not pleasant or not engaging or trying to reach out in any way. You're just kind of puts a sour point. Yeah. So I know one thing I've noticed in cafes, which, you know, when we come to that step, um, serious uh just curious how we'll handle it but like i've really liked the whole island setup of mm. like uh the barista uh there's several shops that i've been visiting that have that island set up so like they're in the middle and you walk around yeah mm. yeah i know it may not be as efficient uh but having that transparency and seeing workflow i think is interesting yeah um you know ironclad has that mm. three ships has that there's this one cafe we went to another one in norfolk that remember that like this warehouse warehouse yes. yeah the warehouse setup i think suits that pretty yeah. nicely versus just like you walk you know deep into the store mm-hmm. and then baristas in the shadows yeah. and then you just hear your drink order and you're like oh <laughs> you yeah. know I, I i yeah there's something about the whole island setup where you can see the process yeah which i think that's like what we like already at the farmer's market you know right. And then our the idea with our trailer so far. So yeah, to be as open, open. as possible. You can see everything. Yeah. There's nothing to hide here. Nope. Yeah. 
And as we've just discussed, I mean, so much of what we've enjoyed about coffee in our own respective journeys is being a part of the process. It's not just the drink that you get at the end. It's being able to observe all of it. And who knows if, if you're that type of person, maybe talking to the barista or having some sort of interaction that way, yeah. being a part, even just observing what they're doing, you know, because a lot of people that are just getting into coffee, they kind of want to see, oh, I just bought this. Or we, we hear that all the time at the farmer's market. Yeah. I just got an espresso machine or, oh, I just got a, an AeroPress, et cetera, et cetera. So that's how you guys do it. Or, oh, mm -hmm. how do I do this? Mm -hmm. So when they can observe you doing all this kind of stuff, it, it can, it's exposing them to something new. Yeah. It's going to shape their sure. coffee journey. Yeah. So that, that, that's a fun part of it as well. Mm -hmm. It's not like you're just in the back making hamburger or right. fries. Just or sending it through the hole in the wall. Like, don't, don't worry about the process. Right. Use the end product. Yeah. Half the experience is seeing how it's prepared. And again, teaching someone how they can do it at home. Yep. Yeah. And just being on point. Yeah. Uh, in terms of cleanliness. You have nothing to hide. No, you have nothing to hide with your operation. Right. Right. Like your organization having a workflow that is suitable for higher amounts of volume. Yeah. Right? Um, just, yeah, being clean and on point in every regard. When you're completely surrounded by customers, it kind of just demands out of the you. island mm -hmm. the whole time. Yep. <laughs> yep. Yeah. I can see you. Yeah. It suits the coffee. Uh, coffee experience for sure yeah definitely so what would you say is now your because we brought this up earlier all different brew methods you have tried i mean you've tried quite different you know pour over methods yeah version methods mm -hmm. so what is your okay let me ask you a twofold question you're just making a cup of coffee just for yourself just for myself what's your go-to and then if you're like okay i gotta do two cups what's your go-to Man, that's a, that's a loaded question. Yeah. Um, recently, I've been going for just espresso. Okay. Yeah. Just espresso. Yeah. Just espresso. <laughs> yeah. Just, just a casual espresso. Just espresso. <laughs> yeah. Gets up in the morning. Ah, what should I do? <laughs> Maybe I'll just have an espresso. <laughs> yeah. Nice. I just like the, the workflow. And I... Maybe this is dope setup too, which is nice. Yeah, maybe it's just because um, I'm running a single boiler espresso machine, so like the workflow is different from like a heat exchanger or dual boiler. Mm -hmm. So I, like the other day, I made I made four lattes in a row, but it took me like 20 minutes because there's a the steps you have to take to ensure your boiler doesn't you know right get wrecked, and you're you have water in it. And you have the time for it to come up to temp and then you got to grind and all that stuff. Yeah. So I've found that like, if it's just me, I appreciate the workflow just by myself, maybe one other person. After that, I get kind of tired. <laughs> yeah. It's a long time. Um, 20 minutes. Yeah. It's tedious. Yeah. Yeah. Just for four drinks. Yep. You know, and the yeah, first person is done before you get to start to enjoy yours. Yeah. By the time I sit down, I'm just like, Oh, wiped. Yeah. too tired for my latte art to be any good. <laughs> <laughs> But, um, and then for two, yeah, two I will do because I want to enjoy it with someone. I'd probably do a pour over. Okay. Now, yeah. out of all the pour methods out there, what's because you have, you have the Kalita, the mm -hmm. Chemex, the V60, what's your go to? I really like the Chemex. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. For the longest time, you're a Kalita guy. Yeah. For I was associated time. the Kalita with you. Yeah, and then some some friends gifted me a Chemex because they watched me 
make like nine or ten pour overs with just a 185 Kalita. Yeah, sympathy. Uh, yeah. And so they bought me awesome 20 minutes. They bought me an right. eight cup Chemex. Nice. So I could knock out four, five drinks if I really squeezed it. Yeah. Um, yeah. So Chemex is a nice crowd pleaser. And I've, I've just found that I enjoy Ethiopian coffee or an African coffee with a Chemex more than I do with the Kalita. Mm. Any idea why? I'm not really sure. We went to that roaster in outside, was it Norfolk? Somewhere. Uh, we, Newport News. Newport News, where they even mentions. What's it called? Um, Canv Canvas Coffee? Okay. That sounds familiar. Yeah. Canvas like Coffee? Yeah. Right. And wasn't he telling us, like, this bean or roast is better for this method? Yeah, because we wanted a pour over. And then we were like looking at his options of beans. And then he's like, we're like, why can't we get both this way? And he's like, no, no, this tastes better with yeah. a Chemex over a V60, say. It would be nice to take a deeper dive into that. Because I am wondering, because from the outside looking in, you're like, they're kind of the same. It's still a pour over. It's still kind of the paper. There's still a little bit of a difference in grind size, I guess. Right. But the flow rate, depending on the grind size, should be similar. But there is a enough difference where... That person, the roaster of the establishment said, no, this is the preferred method you should do with that. Yeah. Yeah, I I do think grind size has something to do with it because they say the smaller, in general, mm -hmm. with coffee, mm -hmm. the smaller the grind size, the better extraction, right? The more you're able to extract out of the bean. When you do Chemex and you do a big Chemex, kind of by definition, you or not by definition, by virtue of how much coffee you're doing and the thicker filter, it kind of forces you to go coarser in the grind size. Yeah. Right. So you think right there, well, if you're having to make the grind coarser to brew within a certain amount of time, then you're, you're probably still getting a good enough extraction, but you're not getting as good of an extraction as you might with a smaller brewer that allows you to go finer. Yeah. With your grind size. Yeah. I don't know how true that is though. No, that's yeah. We should try it. We should try, you know, some of our coffee with the different horror methods and blind taste. That's yeah. usually one of the ways you're going to get it done. Right. Yeah. I mean, I'll, in a, in a couple of weeks, I'll be probably daily driving a V60. Yeah. Nice. <laughs> like right now, my only experience with the V60 is when I'm serving at the market or if I come over to y'all's yeah. house. Yeah. It's interesting. I was a Chemex for two years straight every day, Gab and I, Chemex, Chemex, Chemex. And then, now that I have access to Paris B60. Actually, no, no, no. I had access to Paris B60 and I like the red ones and I bought the red one. Mm -hmm. And now I'm daily V60. But I still will do Chemex occasionally. Mm -hmm. V60 is good for the two to three people that we're normally brewing for. Yeah. Well, we were doing 25 gram. I was doing 50 gram Chemexes yeah. for two people. Because we were, remember I was selling only one cup a day. Uh -huh. So it'd be a 25 gram cup. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's a big boy It's cup. a big cup. <laughs> Yeah, that's a lot. <laughs> that's a lot of coffee. Yeah, yeah. Just once. Yeah. You know, now I'm 30 grams a day. No, 40 grams a day. 20 in the morning. I was used to my measly 15 grams. I come over here. I'm like, oh, man. Yeah. These guys are like from Texas or something. Yeah, let's go. It's massive. Yeah, yeah, I was doing 15 for a while. And then the espresso machine, my basket is 18. So I was like, oh, might as well raise my pour over to 18. Yeah. You know? Yeah, it makes sense. <laughs> Yeah, so I'll do 20. Sense. When you come over in the morning, yep. if I'm making it, I'll do 40 yep. grams. Yep. 20, both. Because we got these cups. Yep. 
Gotta gotta fill the cup. Sad if you have a, a cup yeah. that's half full. This thing's gonna die any minute. Okay. It's saying battery low. Okay. So maybe we should call it. By virtue of this, it's telling us this podcast has reached its limit. It's a sign. Until next time. Yeah. Until next time. <laughs> have you noticed that we we just gotta figure out a way to sign off? Is it gonna be like an outro? Or is it going to be a? You just have to have a line to say. Yeah. That just gives it closure. Right. Like the French, fin. Elfin. Le. Le fin. Le fin. Elfin. It's like yeah, Spanish. It's Spanish. El. Elfin. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's good. Okay. Is there anything else we want people to know? Okay, so AirPress, Chemex, except for Espresso, if you have a dope setup. Yeah. E60. <laughs> yep. Uh, that's our favorite brew methods. Yep. I think that's kind of the point of the podcast is to talk about that. Right. What I what I will like to do next time, maybe not next podcast, but a iterational podcast, is like live reactions to the different methods. Take like uh, our Bali, for example, and do a Kalita do a French press, do a V60, do a Chemex, and we could do it right here. Okay. And just oh, have, dude, that'd be sweet. It'll be awesome. And then just, just really, you know, we have enough of the boilers to do it all kind of at the same time, or most of them. Yeah. Um, especially with the immersion method with the French press by the time the V60 and Chemex are done, that will be done. Yeah. So that'd be cool. Okay. To kind of have like a live reaction to that. Yeah. So. I dig it. Stay tuned. Stay tuned. See you next time. Adios. I'll be the same. I'll be the same. <laughs>